everybody. Welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Today I'm speaking with a very special guest, a fellow Jersey native who currently resides in Brooklyn, New York. And I think the best explanation that I can give you has already been said. Like if you were to look at a bio on her website, which I'm just going to read it because it, I can't sum it up any better than this. It's like, Janet LaBelle transcends the term singer-songwriter to be an artist with analog depth and riches alongside digital era lore. And I thought that was a really nice way to say that because I think as much as Janet's work crosses genres and styles, I think that's a nice way to sort of approach it to maybe someone who's not aware. And I think that approach to her music is what kind of drew me in from the very beginning. Back in 2010, she released the five-track EP Moon Songs and also Blossom and Blue in 2011. And Just a Little Rain was released in 2012. Her latest DP, I Only See You, was released back in December on Lontaka Records. And well, we're going to talk about this EP plus a bunch of her other projects. And again, I can't wait to get into this. But please welcome to the show, Janet LaBelle. Janet, welcome. And well, I guess it's, I should really say it's good to chat with you again. It's been a, quite a while. Thank you, Adrian. I'm really excited to be on your show. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, we were talking just a little bit prior to starting about, you know, my dark past as a music blogger. The blog took a hiatus, but I wanted to find a way to incorporate that love of music, and especially music of the New York, New Jersey area, which is where I reside. And something I've always been fond of are those music scenes, because there's so much richness that comes out of it to this day. So then when I found out you were releasing a new EP, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to have her on. So, well, first off, thank you for being on the show, and also thank you for just releasing this great collection. Thank you. Yeah, it had been a while since I had released anything, so it felt really good to get it out there into the universe. I'm glad someone was excited about listening to it, for sure. That always makes me happy to hear. You have been in the music, I don't want to say industry, because that always sounds so like cold and calculated. But I guess it's just as far as, you know, performing music, you've been doing this since, well, I mean, I've known of you at least since your teens, uh, funny enough. A while ago, I was going through some old files and actually had uh, some Avery songs in like an old external hard drive. And I don't know how I came across them. And it wasn't until I think uh, Just a Little Rain came out that I was like, wait a minute, I recognize this voice. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting because I feel I feel like my voice is so different now than it was back when I was, I guess. Well, actually, which which uh, music do you have? Like I might have been 16 to 23 is how long I was in that band. It was the All Screamed Out EP. Yeah, I was 16 when I wrote those songs and I think 17 when, when we recorded them. So it's quite different to go back and listen to it now. And now, of course, knowing that progression from being in that band to mm -hmm. your solo work. But I, it's something I thought was kind of funny because... Even though your music can be very, you know, it's very sweet and it's very emotional, but I guess it's one of those things that just comes from growing up on the East Coast. <laughs> you know, it still kind of has that nice sharp edge to it, which I think is uh, really cool in terms of like the singer songwriter style of music. So I don't know how many people really talk much about Avery, but it was a great band. Thank you. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that experience and. 
when I was writing in Avery, those were my most formative years, I think, you know, when, when you're a teen, you're developing your music tastes and music is really exciting. And I feel those, those years were really important for me just as a songwriter. It's always so interesting to me to talk to people who have known me in that context and who also know the work that I do now. You toured nationally with it, and you know some of the music I featured on television shows and radio stations. So, I'd imagine like that'd probably be a, a little daunting at first to be relatively young to have that exposure. It's funny because well, you were talking about the music industry. So at that at that time, and and because we were doing so much at such a young age, I ha- you know I had this sense of oh, it's really easy to just be in this industry. But it took me. It took me like another decade or so more to realize that it's actually, it's really, it's hard. You know, things aren't <laughs> so easy, right? And, right. Uh, it was really interesting to have that experience as a younger person. And then now, you know, just having such a different perspective about it. And also since everything in the industry really changes too. And what's nice now is a lot of people can self-promote and self-release. Whereas back when we were younger, it was really all about like getting on a label or getting attention from other places that could promote you. And something that we talk a lot about in the show, whether it be with music or comics or any other creative art, is that journey. And, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it does seem easy because most of us are usually only engaging in the final product. But everything... The, the prep, you know, the work, the writing, the composition, everything that goes into it, you don't always see unless it's presented in some way. So I feel like even if maybe there isn't necessarily like a release, you know, every year, every two years, that does not mean that they're not working. That's very true. So I Only See You, which is, of course, your most recent release on Montaka. I, I really want to get into the inspiration on this album and again, something that we talk about a lot is the journey from conception to the finished product. So compared to your approach in terms of songwriting from your earlier EPs, what would you say was different about this? Well, this one was different in terms of the songwriting approach with instrumentation. These tracks I actually were mostly self-produced, where I had um, in the past worked with, um, you know, a collaborator to do the production, but I did a lot of um, self-production on these tracks. And what was important to me was really building them up musically in a way that I hadn't done before. Well, actually, you know, I'm going to talk about lyrics first and then I'll get to the music because I guess to answer your question, really what drives me for all my music is that I'm always having a conversation with with myself or someone um, when I'm writing. So so in that way, these songs are a bit similar to my previous process, but I really wanted to experiment with sounds. And for when I hear beautiful music, that one is primarily a piano ballad. And the idea behind the lyrics was that it was a, a conversation with someone. Um, it's about a relationship uh, ending and after relationships end, sometimes the music that you listen to together and enjoyed, um, you know, has just a different feeling when you listen to it afterwards. And I wanted to create a song that spoke to this experience. And also, um, you know, at the end, it gives hope that it might not always be that way. 
And the more you listen to something, it can change over time. Um, so, and then basically working with that track, I, um, I did that track at um, Studio G in Brooklyn with Tony Mamoni. He used to be in They Might Be Giants and he's done, he's done a bunch of the production and engineering for a lot of um, Brooklyn based bands. And he was great to work with. And the way that I built it up musically was that I used um, a Mellotron and really played around with string arrangements and horn arrangements. So um, really just getting into the, the depths of how you can build up a song. And for one, I love the Mellotron, but also it's a really nice tool for musicians to have who um, are on more of a budget where they can't call in like the Philharmonic and <laughs> really hold <laughs> it up, you know, in the way that you could see it in your head or listen to it in your head. Um, so that was really fun for me to do on that song. And then for I Can't Believe You Did That, I tried a similar approach. So I really, I worked with the Mellotron to um, sort of develop the orchestrations and elevate what I thought was the emotions behind it or the message. Um, so that that's what was different on this EP is that I really wanted to play with arrangements in a way that I personally hadn't done as much before. And then I Only See You is the title track. And that one is very different because it is just the total opposite. It's just very minimalistic. It's just a ukulele and a voice. And the interesting story behind that song is it was recorded as a bedroom recording just on GarageBand. Really? (laughs) That's awesome. So I put a lot of production and work into the other two songs. And actually, I started recording them out in California at Santa Monica Studio on Analog. So we did it on the the tape reel um, to do all the basic tracking. And I I got to play my favorite piano, which is on the West Coast, which um, it's at this studio called uh, 4th Street in Santa Monica. And um, the piano that was used for Fiona Apple's Tidal album. Do you know that album? Um, That's only my favorite Fiona Apple album. All the good stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of obsessed with this piano that lives in this studio. I think the Beach Boys recorded Kokomo in that studio, and I'm obsessed with them also. Right, because I know you're, uh, one of your big influences has always been Brian Wilson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's he's the top, for sure. He's um, He really inspires me. So he's always been my inspiration in terms of when I, you know, when I listen to his arrangements and the way that I mean, I'm just, I'm totally obsessed with him and I, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but, um, but I always think of him when I'm, I'm doing like layering and, and working with sounds and harmonies because I really think he's the master. <laughs> so, though, I think it's kind of cool that you got to play the same piano as a Fiona on such a, like iconic album. Like, I don't know. See, you're much better than I would. I feel like even sitting down at it, I, I'd kind of geek out a little bit. Well, this isn't my first time at the piano. So I actually went there. I recorded there when we did Moon Songs. So that was my first 2010 EP. I totally geeked out. And then <laughs> I kept coming back. And then I, I just kept coming back because it's interesting when you fall in love with an instrument. It's like a relationship. It's a to like a person, you know, so it's really interesting. There's really good, really good energy and vibes in that studio. That's um, Fourth Street is the name. 
so the the songs came together from many different places. So it was the studio out in California and then bringing the tracks to the studio in Greenpoint. Um, uh, the two tracks, I can't believe you did that. And um, when I hear beautiful music and then that last track was just really recorded in my bedroom. So it was very simple and it took maybe like 10, 10 or so minutes to fully write and record. And that never happens to me, hardly ever. Like <laughs> once, once every decade, I'll have like that happen. It felt really good for me to get that on a recording. You know, um, I, I considered going into the studio and redoing it, but I felt like I just couldn't get the same feeling of being in the moment and having something just come right out. Like it was very raw and organic in that way so right. i felt like i didn't want to touch it after that and i just sort of left it that's something in terms of not only the recording process but songwriting process that i love hearing from musicians is not just even the tools used to record it but even just the location yeah because that can change so many things and something that i also know about you and you also mentioned this is the fact that, you know, you do go between both coasts and that sort of that duality from both coasts and those sensibilities are, there's some similarities, but they're vastly different and even in terms of just temperament and vibes. And that's something I, I have noticed, you know, coming through in your music. So I don't know if that's something that you find happening is, you know, how much of like the Brooklyn, Jersey element, but also then the Californian. No, oh, absolutely. That's a really Great observation because I, I feel very heavily influenced by the places that I'm in, and especially in terms of songwriting. And sometimes it's really nice just to go to a place and then write when you get there and record and see what happens. Actually, Blossom and Blue, that album was a lot like that for me. I recorded it out in LA, but it, I hadn't fully written it before I went there. So and I and I knew I had the studio dates booked and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to get there and see what happens. And there was a lot of like early morning wake ups and then scribbling some stuff in a coffee shop or out like, <laughs> out in like Echo Park. But the, the place in, inspires me so much. And I felt like I had complete writer's block until I actually got into that physical place. And then maybe it was the time pressure. I do work well under pressure, so that could have been part of it. But it really helps me. So yeah, that's a, a great observation. It's also, it just feels different to go away from your home territory for a while and see what comes up. Yeah, and it seems like such a very simple concept, but just stepping outside of your comfort zone, so to speak, and in a positive way, it can influence you greatly. But again, it also depends on where you are. Because I mean, I know there's also albums that are written total opposite, where it's like they are not at home when they're written, but Right. Again, like it, it's really just about being in the moment, which mm -hmm. like any good music, whether you're performing it or even listening to it, it's all about that moment. It's about where you are or when you heard it. That's true. I would agree with that. I also, as you're talking, I'm just I'm thinking about, too, is sometimes when you want to be somewhere else, that's also helpful in the songwriting process because you can use your imagination and try to escape somewhere like one thing that's been helping me a lot lately is like, so I live in Brooklyn, but I try to go to the beach as much as possible. And even in the winter. So I've, I've taken up winter surfing. So I'm doing that lately. Oh, really? Yeah. And 
I mean, I've been surfing, but I hadn't tried winter surfing until this year. It's really interesting because like I find it helps me sort of focus and relax and it's really great. So sometimes I'm, I'm in my apartment and I'll just, I'll just envision the water just being on the beach and I can pick up an instrument and just I'll play to that image in my mind. And yeah, it, the songs that come out or the music that comes out is just, it's, it's totally different than like, I don't know, my reality in, in Brooklyn, like sitting there in my bedroom, and it's like freezing outside and whatever. I feel like I can transport myself through music. And that's why it's always helped me. You know, what's funny. Like, I didn't even realize that winter surfing was even a thing. Like, wow, I, like, I, I sound so like sheltered in even admitting that. No, I mean, you know, you'd be surprised how many people who live in New York don't know about the surfing community and, and scene that goes on year round out in like Rockaway beach. And there's other various beaches, but surfing is actually a thing in New York city. And I didn't know about it until five or so years ago when a friend of mine convinced me to go out early one morning. And I, I was shocked. I was like, wait, you can do that here. Like you can get <laughs> on the subway and go out to the beach and uh and then i was hooked ever ever since then so um but i i hadn't tried the winter surfing until this year i was i was actually pretty intimidated by it and didn't know how that would go but it it actually if you have the right equipment it's quite comfortable now when you say the right equipment um like like what exactly do you like is it just a matter of just having the right bodysuit right board because i mean obviously winter surfing it's cold as all hell so so yeah i mean I'll tell you, like, I am a little more picky about the days I'll go out. Like, I check the forecast, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, it doesn't seem choppy. Or, you know, I'll, I'll look and make sure it's worth getting in the water for, you know? Uh, right. But, but it's definitely, you can definitely do it very comfortably if you have a good wetsuit. Maybe, like, a thick five or six millimeter whips of a neoprene wetsuit. And a hood and gloves and boots and the whole thing. And it's actually, it it's not as bad. It's not bad. I, I would encourage people to do it if they're if they're hesitant. Because I was definitely hesitant. And it wasn't bad at all. See, like, I'm definitely not necessarily the most uh, surfing inclined person in the world. But at the same time, like, most, I, I will walk outside during a snowstorm in a t-shirt. So, I don't know. I'm already kind of, like, I almost kind of want in on this now. Yeah, I think this might be for you. I don't know. <laughs> you have to, I feel like if you, you always have to try things once. If there's the curiosity and interest, there's no harm in trying, trying <laughs> right? seeing, right? It's just the open water part that I think is probably the most intimidating. So it's yeah. like, I love the cold, but me being on the ocean, I don't know. Maybe not the, uh, the, yeah. the best thing. <laughs> I, I always try to go when people are in the water. Like I won't, I won't go when there's nobody in the water that I won't do. I I'll go if there's like one other person I've done it like for 20 minutes once, but I, I try to just always know that there's people cause I do play it safe. <laughs> and that's also an important lesson to everybody who's listening yeah exactly and also i don't want to get sued <laughs> so. <laughs> so oh well i i don't know like how many people think like, well i almost drowned so janet labelle uh, i know i don't want this to come back to me <laughs> well i assure you like i don't think you'll ever have to get like pressured by the uh winter surfing lobby yeah that's <laughs> 
That's good. That's reassuring. <laughs> so you have, you know, performed in other bands. I know I just mentioned them a little bit earlier, but one of my favorite projects that you're involved with was uh, Shark Muffin. Yeah. Shark Muffin, they're great. Tara and Natalie, they're prolific songwriters. They they write so much and all the time. So it was it was really exciting to be a part of their band. I don't remember the exact history because I know you had performed with them, but I wasn't sure if it started with the three of you first. Mm-hmm. There was one other drummer that they had before I joined, and I joined around um, 2013 when CMJ was still a thing. I don't know if you ever went to the CMJ shows. No, but I am very aware of CMJ and again, like rest in peace. Right. They used to have the big CMJ music festival in New York. And I remember I had just gotten back from California. I had just done a solo tour to promote a single wide awake and dreaming. And I came back and I was feeling a little burnt out and just tired actually and was wanting a change and was thinking that I hadn't played drums in in so long regularly in a band actually when I I started in Avery I was the I started as the drummer in that band back when I was young so I guess I was 14 or 15 so I started out as a drummer and I really wanted to return to my roots of doing that (laughs) and I connected with uh Natalie and Tara and I I tried out for their band and I had to learn like 10 songs and then we played like four or something shows that very next week at CMJ. So it was a really intense induction because I hadn't really been playing drums that much regularly and you know if, if anyone's played drums like it's super physical and it does require sort of maintenance like if you're running a marathon you like you have to train and do certain things and <laughs> It was super intense, but I was really happy to just dive in and get to play drums again. So I played with them for, I forget how long it was. I ended up getting injured. I got like a a repetitive stress injury. Oh, no. Yeah, but we, we were playing so much at that time. So it kind of made sense to me why it happened, actually. And I got better and I... I went to physical therapy. I, I went to a drum coach who like helped me with technique and ergonomics and was super helpful. And then I rejoined with them maybe like a year later or so and, and played some more. And then eventually um, just decided I wanted to focus full time on doing my solo music. And um, so that's that's what happened with that. But we're still all very much good friends, which is nice. And uh they're they're great and they're up to some really great things. I think they just they got back from Europe um, at the end of February. So just actually recently they got back from a tour. So yeah, they're great. Have you gotten to see them live? No, that's that's definitely a bucket list item. Like there are so many bands that I need to catch up on. You know, talking about sort of being away from music. I'm just now starting to get acclimated back into you know, local scenes and kind of being involved with the artists because it has something that when I moved out here, I hadn't really done in a long time. And of course, you know, there's also money and now, you know, a little bit more travel than it used to be. But a lot of it is just missing those shows. But that's definitely one thing on the list is seeing Shark Muffin live. And well, also your drumming with them is insane. 
I was like, holy cow. Like, I, I, I know she was a great singer songwriter, though, but like, she is just a demon on these, on this drum kit, man. <laughs> that's, that's great. I love the drums. That's all you've been thinking about lately, too. That I like, just would love to be doing that again. But it's so, it's hard when you play a lot of different instruments to keep up with them physically because they all require like a different type of physicality and attention. You know, like same with guitar. Like if I take a break from guitar, I have to like get back to work and like build up calluses and, you know, get my like finger strength going. So, but it would be nice to do like a, an occasional project and play the drums. Yeah. Like I was going to say, like maybe even like something like session drumming. Yeah. I, w- I would love, I would love to do that. Of course. The last thing I did on drums is actually funny because it was also my debut as an actress because I never had done anything like this. But um, last summer I was cast in a pilot called Bands. It's done by a writer-director named Barrett Schuler, And um, I guess they were looking for an actress who played drums, but they came up with me. (laughs) I'm like far from being an actress, but that that was a really interesting project to work on because I, for the first time in my life, got to try <laughs> try being an actress and and see how it was, and and then I got to play live drums on on the show, so it it was pretty it was pretty cool. <laughs> That's funny. That was actually one of my notes that I wanted to ask you about because as I was researching for the show, at one point, like I was just like doing a general search, and then I was like, wait, Jenna LaBelle, like. Like, oh, because I saw the IMDb listing, and I'm like, wait a minute, like, did I miss something at some point? Because I feel like I should have known about it. Yep, that's my big debut. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is that something that you ever would explore further as far as acting goes? I, I really do subscribe to the philosophy of trying things once, because I never, it was totally outside of my comfort zone, but I actually had a really good time. I really enjoyed working with the cast. And just trying something totally different that's a different type of creative outlet and medium, it was really it was a really interesting experience. I would definitely do something of like that, although I really don't think I could pull off any other role though. I think I just got lucky in the fact that the character was like auditioning for a band and um, <laughs> you know, it was like it was pretty much I felt very similar to things I had already done. So I felt I felt that it was easier fit than maybe like if I had to do like a historical piece or something (laughs) that like I don't have that much of a grasp on Um, because I I don't think acting is easy (laughs) by any stretch you know I think it's very challenging work but I just happened to get lucky and and the people I worked with were really great and they gave me so many tips and feedback that it, it made the process really easy for me. And it was just really fun to drum. So I felt like that was the whole selling point, too, that I got to do uh, live drums with a band. So <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> I, I guess then if you were ever at a point to, I know you've been, of course, hard to work at solo work, but would you ever think about maybe joining like a full-time band again? Yeah, I, I think so. Right now, I'm currently in grad school. I'm studying music therapy. So I get to do a lot of music all day, which is really nice and something I'm really interested in. So whenever my schedule allows and, you know, I think this summer I'm going to be doing more with my solo stuff and trying to promote new recordings. And and I have plans to actually go back out to L.A. and do some more recording. 
but if time allowed, I would love to to be in a band again. And we'll see what happens. You never know. That's what's nice about New York, too, is that I think the more you play out and the more, you know, you meet different people, you, you never know who's in need of, like, a certain type of musician and um, and how you can contribute creatively. Right. So there's definitely options. Well, definitely could look with the whole grad school thing. I mean, music therapy, like, that actually sounds pretty fascinating. Now, it's exactly what it sounds like, I'd imagine. Yeah, actually it is. And it's funny because I I didn't really think about it as a career until later. I didn't really know much about it, but it is it is exactly what it is, you know. Um, it, and it made a lot of sense to me. Like music can be used in therapeutic ways. It always had been for me. So like I realized, you know, there's a lot of power and potential there with music as a tool to help people. And what's great about the field of music therapy is there's so much research that actually proves that, you know, there's, there's a lot of data out there that shows that that music does have profound effects on the brain. And um, it's great for socialization and communication and has all these benefits. So, so it's, it's a really great program. And it's, it's fun to, to experience music in a different way and think about it differently. And it's helping my musicianship, too, because we, we're taking a lot of the musical aspect. Um, we're taking a lot of classes in that, and I'm getting a lot of good training because I'm actually a self-taught musician. <laughs> so so I really, I need I need a lot of the, well, not, not need, but it's very helpful <laughs> to have, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I've gotten by okay being self-taught, but now I, I feel like I am really stepping it up a notch, which is... Which is going to really, I think, help for giving me inspiration right. and, and new ways of working with music. And I think that's beautiful. I mean, like, I would really be more concerned about any musician who is like, all right, I learned when I was a kid and I know yeah. these chords and then that's it. And, yeah. and not that that's not necessarily a problem with that, but I think to be almost like almost a student of music to constantly learn not just notes and chord progression and music theory, but just even something like learning how music affects people and so different ways like that is, I think, remarkable and something that I always feel is important because music does so much for me. Like I always joke that if I could. Like, I would pretty much just have earbuds in at all times because nothing gets done without at least some form of music in my ears. Music is, it can be so motivating. It influences us. And it's nice when you can have a playlist and you can sort of pick, you know, how you want to be moved. I, I always just love talking about this, actually. No, so do I. Like, And I don't get too many opportunities, which is why I'm glad we could do it now. Yeah, me too. It's really great, too, because... Uh, lately I've just I just like to talk to everyone like I'll I'll be taking an uber or something and I'll talk to the driver about like oh what kind of music do you like or you know and and once you start talking about music like usually my the reaction is like people just sort of light up like they have their preferences they know what you know they like and they just love to talk about it Um, right so yeah, there's always, it's nice to even be able to connect on that level with people in general, like people you don't know at all. Um, you can just connect on this sort of universal idea that, that music can be really powerful. 
for ages, people have communicated and told stories and passed on history through music. And I guess to me, like one of the lines I've been saying a lot to myself is music is something that's more felt than listened to. Mm. Yeah. And I, I just feel like it's not, at least to me, now some people, of course, have different you know, tools in which they use with their music. Some people are just like, it has background noise while they work, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's a driving force for everything. And I think the more we realize that it's not just a passive form of entertainment. Like, it's something that, even if you don't realize it, like, you're really engaging in some way. I feel that way, too. But it's true. Not everyone has the same experience with music. And there's a lot of times, like... Yeah, people people don't experience it in that way, but I, I think it does have the potential to sort of move you like physically, like emotionally. There's there's a lot there. That's why that's why I've been hanging with it for so long. <laughs> there's <laughs> you know, there's definitely been periods in my life where uh, you know, I mean, like I said, it, it took me some time to realize like, okay, it's it's really hard to be a creative person it's really hard to make a living being a creative person right and and to just do just that and just your creative work and being lucky as a kid and and being able to like do so much with it and then later realizing like okay like it's really hard to make a living this way and you can't help but being like oh I wish I wish I didn't have that like musical bug or like that thing that keeps you there you know because (laughs) I guess it like the quintessential struggling artist like there's there's a certain like hold that these things have on you or at least Mm -hmm. on me you know like that's how that's how it was for me like I always said like music chose me and like I I like surrender (laughs) I don't know what else I can do Um, (laughs) you know no matter what but it's been it's been very like it's taken me to some like beautiful places and and to to connect with some amazing individuals and and artists and creative people. So, um, so I feel I feel very fortunate on that level. And I also think it's to your credit, and especially with your music lyrically, is that willingness to be honest. You know, as far as your approach to music and just even the songwriting process, because that's not easy to do you know i mean like i said some people are comfortable with that but not everyone is able to take that real approach to their music and even as a performer and i said you had been doing it so long but i think it's refreshing to hear that you're still growing with it and you're still finding different ways for it to find meaning in your life outside of just simply performing and releasing music yeah it's funny because i i feel that when I'm not honest with my music, I know it. Like, I just, I can feel it in my body. And it doesn't feel right, like, you know, lyrically or whatever. So it is it is really that honesty that keeps me in it. Because I, I say to myself, well, if I'm not honest about it, it's like, why am I doing it or putting it out there? Or, like, what does that mean to me? Or, or sometimes I have to ask myself, like, what is going on with me? Why I can't get certain things out the way that I want them to be, you know, but I think, I think like anything, it's just hard to be honest with ourselves or sometimes in general, we know the the truth and we don't want to admit it. And I think that is something that's deeply involved in the songwriting process, at least for me, it kind of, it kind of helps me um, check and see where I'm at, but I appreciate you saying that. I think that's really important to me that people 
feel that I'm genuinely connecting to the work that I'm doing. And I feel like then that, that can translate through what is received. Hopefully that's, that's the hope. But I feel like if I'm being honest and I feel good about it, then other people will also see that or feel that. Especially the hardest thing to be is yourself and music to put it in this context is a way to express yourself. I mean, clearly. And I really do think that this new EP is definitely your strongest work. I mean, if someone had been following your career from the very beginning or had just listened to you for the very first time, like, I think it's how it was recorded, how each song is arranged. It gives you like all these different pieces of Janet as a creator and as a performer. And like I said, I'm really hoping that like people really take this out because, but it says so much. I really appreciate hearing that because I feel as an artist, every next work that I do, I want to be better than the last in the way that I feel that I'm, you know, growing and developing and, and that the music reflects, you know, what I'm, where I'm at right now in the moment. Because as you know, like the stuff I did when I was 16, it's very different than what I'm doing now. But all of those recordings reflect where I was at that particular time. So I never look back and say like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, like, oh, it could have sounded better a certain way. But, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, you can always do that. But but I, I see it as this moment in time of, you know, being that way and and just always hoping to look towards the future and grow. And and like I said, I feel like learning about music therapy is helping me too. And, and just learning more skills musically is really helping. So I, I'm hoping that it just keeps, <laughs> keeps getting better and that this is, is more of a growth period for sure. But I, but I, yeah, I, I really do appreciate what you said about the last album. I'm hoping other people see that development also. Speaking of that album, no, I probably should have you let everybody know where they can listen to it and um, where they can find more about you. So I have all of the regular <laughs> platforms, I suppose. Um, so you can hear it on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Apple Music, SoundCloud. There's so many different platforms out there. But if you if you Google it, I think you can find it. Um, the album is called I Only See You. And I'm actually going to be releasing a video for the title track in the upcoming month or so very excited about that and again thank you for taking time out i know this is going to sound strange though but i think i should actually also just say thank you for the low-key inspiration <laughs> hey i'm so happy to do that <laughs> so I, I really appreciate it and you know i always love talking to people who connect to music and art and creativity yeah it's it's important and it's necessary even though, like, there's a lot of people who I feel like, even if it's not necessarily, you know, music or maybe painting or drawing or anything like that, we have these creative sides of us. And it's definitely worth exploring the day-to-day, the nine-to-five of it all. Like, I mean, you know, it has to be done, but I don't know, like, as a, at the risk of sounding, like, really super hippie about it, like, we're, I think we're just more than that. Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's It really is about... Well, what I hear is that it's really about connection. Like it brings people, brings people together and, and that's bigger than ourselves, right? Like it's absolutely, it's nice and refreshing. Thank you so much. And also thank you for everybody listening. And as I said, please check out this album, check out all of our works and please support ever living crap out of Janet. Cause she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. 
And also, shout out to Shark Muffin as well. And that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Thank you so much.